Game on on 2FM. With Green Farm. Being up to 90 isn't real. The protein in our range is Get Real. Thanks to Jenny Green for entertaining us this afternoon. It's Thursday the 20th of January and this is Game On. Coming up today, ex-Ireland all-rounder Lindsay Peat on a big weekend for rugby and basketball as Kieran Donaghy aims for National Cup success after his Austin Stacks defeat. For yourself, you have the National Cup final in basketball to look forward to with the Trilly Warriors. How good is that for you to have that you can kind of jump onto that straight away? Or uh, Yeah, that'll be that'll be an exciting night in the, in the National Arena but this one will hurt for a while but that's sport, they're supposed to hurt and uh, you're supposed to try and uh, harness that heart and learn from it and, and, and try and come back a better player and um, that'll be the goal. David Snade and Shane Dawson are in studio with Football News and we'll look ahead to Arsenal versus Liverpool as Arteta tries to put off-pitch drama to one side. Well, we have the opportunity to get into our final which is closer to our title um, against um, a big opponent in our stadium with our people so um, we are very excited to play the game. Damien Lawler has GA News and Jeff Shepard previews the NFL division round. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM. GameOn on 2FM. Now, welcome along. David Snade and Shane Dawson are in studio with me. We'll be looking at all of the football later on. But David, I think we should kick the show off um, by talking about Matt Doherty because he was pretty impressive for Spurs last night in the second half against Leicester. And for a long time, I think people thought that he was probably on his way out. Would last night's performance maybe have saved him? I'd say if you're looking for a 45-minute performance or any kind of performance that would sum up what Antonio Conte wants from any of his players, Matt Tottarty gave it. He was aggressive. He was on the front foot. He was ambitious. He went forward. He was confident. He's pretty much been everything that hasn't been the case since he signed for Spurs. You know, he it's probably a listen, 45 minutes performance in the manner of the win in terms of what two goals in the last what, six and seven minute of injury time was in- incredible. But like probably a bit early to say it's his salvation at Spurs, so to speak. But from a point of being told at the start of the month, listen, if an offer comes in or we can get you out the door, we're going to do it. He's literally in that performance last night. He had to have surely have given Conte something to think about, unless of course Conte being the manager he is and has already made his mind up on him, you'd be very surprised. And for Ireland as well it's a little bit a while away in terms of when Ireland are back playing games but it could just be so important to have a, a confident Matt Doherty playing week in week out again at club level because we've seen with Stephen Kenny that he is able to get the best out of him some managers previously thought that maybe Seamus Coleman and uh, Matt Doherty couldn't play in the same team together he's kind of proven that wrong it's actually interesting that he had a really solid 45 minutes in that game last night and we're talking about like this is exactly what he can do when in one of those early games under Mick McCarthy when he made the decision after literally about 50 minutes that Seamus Coleman and Matt Doherty could never play in the same team so snap decisions can be can be made and proven to be wrong so on this as well I don't think I don't think again it's a bit quick to be saying that he'll definitely be staying at Spurs I think it's been linked well, obviously with Adama Traore coming in that he could be a make weight and even going back to uh, back to Spurs or back to Wolves because you're kind of thinking when you made that move over a couple of years ago now under Jose Marine, you're going to forget like, he was already, already on his tour manager of sports. I think a lot of sports players can actually relate to that level of uh, upheaval. But um, like it just seemed absolutely nailed on that he could actually just kick on because he was flying at Tottenham. Oh, flying at Wolves, sorry. And just and it hasn't really worked out for my Tottenham. He kind of, he's got bombed out of the team. He wasn't really playing at all. Out of match day squads, wasn't even getting in the Europa Conference team at, at one point. And now... He's given a, a serious reminder and in a very good time as well in the January transfer window to either teams who will be coming in from and say, Listen, we'll give you we'll give you a deal or Conte now realising that he has a player who can actually be seriously impressive for, for the rest of the year when they're going for top four. Yeah, especially Shane, when we are coming up to um the time when it is all about the top four and that battle for the, those European places. And I think the nature of the game last night as well, just the drama of it, the excitement and it felt like the stakes were really high as well for him to shine it was like the perfect stage yeah I know we were we were chatting here yesterday and kind of the, the disappointing team news was that Sergio Regulon was starting and Matt Doherty wasn't and it's so great to see him now press on and hopefully this can be the, the performance that I suppose he can he can take from a new dawn a new beginning and as David said there as well it's it's frustrating for him personally that 
he's had to kind of contend with managerial changes and so on. So he's had a lot of outside kind of difficulties that he's that he's had to deal with as well as kind of trying to perform on on the pitch as well. So yeah, listen, it's absolutely positive, but I think it is a case of listen. Hopefully, he can continue this with some consistency and and really mm. genuinely press on. And it's a it's a gas one with Doherty because like there's times you look at him and you're like this fella. Like sometimes he swans it out the pitch. He kind of has a language style. Like the sports fan thinking, like remind you of Dimitar Barbatov the way he kind of plays. Is weird. Like he he kind of almost seems as if he's like he does that at his pace and he's kind of language. I think is yeah, the word. that's it. Language <laughs> and like. But then I remember writing before. It's like it's very rare you see that in a right back, especially now in the modern game. It's all about being aggressive. It's about being adventurous, getting forward, getting back. That's how you have to do it. And we've seen that with Ireland, like the performance, probably his best, definitely his best performance for him so far was away to Portugal. And you're thinking, like, that's exactly the template that he needs to be hitting all the time. And then, like so many Irish players, we're talking about young lads, but this is a fellow who's coming into his thirties now, like regular playing regular football and, and and doing that on a constant basis. That's what he needs to be doing. He had it for a for a time at Wolves, and you're trying to thinking, hey, get him into the team, get him into the team. He can offer so much, and the way we were playing at that time, and just the perception of him. It's totally changed, like, like playing, through, battling through with some of the injuries that you would have had, and still turning up for Ireland, having COVID coming back, dealing with that. Like Stephen Kenny, absolutely loves him. You go in, in around that that squad, like him and Seamus Coleman, you would think there might be a bit of a rivalry there. The two of them are best friends in that camp. Like they take his thieves together. He's a serious operator around the squad in terms of an influence in the in the place and people looking to him. And he might not always like he's very outspoken. Like anyone, like you'll think Martin O'Neill kind of found that out mm-hmm. when he kind of was talking about maybe his face didn't on fit. On this show, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like I don't, I don't think I don't think he was um, I don't think he was kind of writing. To to, uh, to Martin O'Neill wishing him the best when he was leaving the, the Ireland job and listen that happens in football Like he's, he kind of puts himself out there to be shot at a little bit because like from a journalist's point of view it's great because you ask him a question and you know you're not going to get any nonsense from him he'll, he'll answer you back and he probably that's probably been his downfall maybe with some managers you yeah, know but the thing as well like if the managers keep changing and you're you know essentially a fringe player and you're mm. constantly have to go on the front foot and try and impress them and be nice to them and you know make sure that they know you're around like that can be quite difficult if it's not in your nature to be that type of person all the time and almost hold back your opinions a little bit until you get to know that person well that's it like kind of listen some people are very good at biting their tongue and playing politics <laughs> and all the rest of it and you kind of I suppose listen some people in football survive because that's how they can do mm-hmm. it you know they're good at managing yeah. upwards and like a lot of managers know that that's how you do it and with, with, with Matt Doherty he's just that's not what he's about like he's very straight he's very honest some people like it some people don't and the key thing for him now is no matter what is if he does if he has managed to even get give himself a little bit of a percentage of a chance under Conte he has to take that opportunity because there's one there for him because Emerson Real who's come in and replaced him effectively and he plays like <laughs> He has, he's, he's got a bit about him but you look at his deliveries from, from when he's on the run and how obviously, how obviously Conte wants his players playing especially those fullbacks the wingbacks his bomber forward and being able to actually deal with cross and on the run rather than from a static position like Royal can't do that you see some of his balls are hitting the first man all the time or they're over hit whereas Doherty if you watch that performance last night and even with Ireland he doesn't panic he's always confident in terms of when he is in the ball and even how he's able to just deliver those balls on the run and just judge them it's going to be very important Like I think people have always seen that with him of how he's able to do it it's just maybe that other side of how he is he actually acquitting himself in training because that's behind closed doors mm-hmm. unfortunately there's no Amazon Prime documentary this year with, with Tottenham <laughs> it would be great to see it but like, that's now he has he's kind of opened the door a little bit left it a journey you'd say with Conte and now he has to kind of burst it open to make sure he stays in OK interesting few weeks ahead for sure while that transfer window is open it's time now to turn our attention to Gaelic Games Damien Lawler joins us now on the line Damien it is that time again it is Central Council time so they are going to meet on Saturday to consider the two proposals for a potential Gaelic football reform a green pro- proposal and a red proposal tell us about them Damien yeah, Marie, so the context of that is I think there's been a, a cry for reform in the Gaelic Football Championship in recent years. Um, definitely questions about the value and the, re- the retention of the provincial championships. And it all led to a vote taking place, special Congress pre-Christmas um, 2021, um, whereby 
I think there was two proposals up for, for, for grabs. Proposal A, where you move teams uh, out of their province and have a, a four groups of eight. Or, or proposal B, where you have a, a league championship uh, and from there um, a, a vote went to Special Congress. Uh, proposal B needed 60% at Special Congress to get through, Marie. It got 50%. The Gaelic players were one of the huge drivers of it. And as the the Congress loomed and became, um, you know, a kind of a, a topical thing, a lot of people came out of the closet and started shouting yay or nay. Um, by the time it took a, a vote on, on that actual day, 50.6% was the actual final result. Um, it definitely screamed that there was a feeling for change within that room. Uh, I think people were quite disillusioned that Proposal B didn't get the 60%, but other people felt it was never quite there as a proposal. They didn't tick all the boxes. So, essentially, we paused. Uh, the GEA said they'd come back and revisit it. There was fears it might get lost. But in fairness to the GEA, they came back pretty quickly and revisited it. Uh, the Gaelic Players Association put the foot to the floor on this as well. So um, you now have two proposals going to management on Friday night. They're going to Central Council on Saturday. And I would expect that one of those proposals will get rubber stamped to finally go ahead to Congress at the end of February, which will take place in the, the Connacht GEA Centre of Excellence in, in Bacon in County Mayo. Um, that will be a, a landmark event, Marie, because you have the green plan and the, 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 the red plan up for grabs there uh, this weekend. Uh, red plan is an updated plan B, Essentially, the provincial finalists will start a league-based uh, All-Ireland Championship from there. The green, the green card, however, uh, it retains the league, it retains the provinces, it offers a round-robin competition, four groups of four, for the Sam Maguire, and it offers the same for the Talshan Cup. So it offers a bit of parity, a bit of competition. It retains the, the provinces, which obviously the provincial councils are happy with. It keeps the league, and the league is one of the best... Co- well, the league is possibly the best competition that we have... So at this moment in time, it looks like the Green Plan is a racing certainty to get approval this weekend and quite possibly to do very well at Congress and get through as well. Damien, looking at it, to be honest, I wasn't expecting the players to go for the Green. I thought that they would lean towards more the Red because... The change isn't huge really in the green and you know a lot of the time there was talk that this was the time to do something a little bit radical when there was some appetite for change. The fact that it is a little bit more reserved than expected, do you think that it's maybe the GPA feel that this is the only way to get any change in? Yeah, well look, at I, I, think, I think they know this time that it's a, it's a whole lot more positive coming in to, to, to back uh, a move for change. I think that while Proposal B was what they nailed their colours to the mass pre-Christmas, Marie, um, there's nothing over the, the, two last, the last two years has stayed rigid. Everything's been fluid. And I think that their stance uh, is, is reflected in that. What I mean by that is they've been talking about the need for change for so long in the GPA. Um, they had never had a problem with the Allianz Leagues, but they wanted fairness for all counties and they wanted competition and parity for all counties. And to be honest with you, the green plan is the nearest we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, while realistically keeping all the other stakeholders happy. I mean, if you if you want to call a spade a spade, there's no sign of the provincial championships getting the, the bullet uh, at any stage soon. And I think you have to be realistic. If you're coming to the table and you're looking for meaningful change, you have to be realistic about what's around you. And I think this is, this is a step for now that the G, GPA will be quite happy to take. Um, while it's not uh, exact mirror of proposal B, um, I think essentially the, the values and the principles remain the same. So it's, it's, in my opinion, it's no massive surprise to see them backing it. I would have been surprised if they didn't because uh, I don't think the, the red proposal, I don't think the, what are we, geez, between proposal B and red proposal, I'm, I'm losing my mind here, but I, I don't think the red one is going to get enough support and I think the GPA know that already. Yeah, well, I think they, they're they're well aware of who votes for it and who's going to be in that room at Congress. Yeah, it's very the interesting, Marie. The provincial councils have come out in the last week and backed it as well. Like, I mean, that, that's really mm-hmm. the incoming officers more so than anybody. But that's, that's a huge shift as well. So I think it, uh, you, you have probably members of management looking to back it, I'd say, that's my guess. Uh, GPA looking to back it. Provincial Council is looking to back it and you're, you're, you're a long way there towards persuading the Congress delegates then.
Yeah, definitely. Um, a little bit of news on the intercounty management scene. Paul Galvin is now set for a role with the Kildare footballers for 2022. Yeah. Obviously, an extremely accomplished former player. But when you look at the backroom yeah. team that they have already, and it's so stacked full of huge names and accomplished players themselves in their own right, is there room for Paul Galvin as well, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, I mean, Anthony Rainbow has, has all these guys are our icons in Kildare, first of all. And secondly, I'm sure they've all done coaching at various levels and, and, and Johnny Dial would be coaching the coaches that say in Kildare mm-hmm. as part of his profession. But um, a lot of them too, like, I mean, Dermot Early wouldn't be experienced maybe at the top level of, of management or coaching. Um, Glenn Ryan would be probably an out-and-out uh, manager at that level. Anthony Rainbow's former Carlo manager, former Bally Bowden manager and... Uh, I think uh, Johnny Doyle again is going around coaching the coaches in Kildare. So Brian Lacey's coming in too as a performance analyst. We, we knew that for the last few months, but maybe there is a there's a, a glaring role there for a coach to come in. Um, and I think that uh, Paul Paul Galvin comes in as a forwards coach principally. But um, I think, as you said there, Murray, like nobody can argue with his record as a player, like four All Irelands, three time All Star, Footballer of the Year, seven or eight Munster titles. Uh, he was one of the players I love watching most as a forward because uh, he started off kind of as a, as a workhorse up and down that pitch. His tackling was all ferocious, um, but, but he, his positioning and offloading was top class. And by the end of it, he was putting over three and four points a game with both feet. So that's exciting. Can he bring those elements to the Kildare attack? Um, I think maybe over the last 10 years, look, I'd say it straight out. I'd say this Kildare team and maybe the forward line, they're looking for an identity maybe. Um, you know, you, you look back to Newbridge or Nover where they bet Mayo that day and that was a, a huge statement. But they don't back it up often enough. They've been quite consistent in the league, but not so much in the championship. So Paul Galvin will come in now. He had a short stint with Wexford in 2020. Um, I'd say he was doing some good work there behind the scenes, but his family moved to the West Coast and he left that job. So um, I, I don't know if Paul is back in Dublin now or what the story is, but um, this is an interesting role. And of course, as long as we have it then, Marie, uh, Kildare's first game is against two. Terry. Oh, of course. And then Jack O'Connor <laughs> back. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Yeah. In the league, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Well, that's actually going to come around really quickly as well. I was only just talking about the league and um, yeah. how it's End only on. And is it on next the weekend after next? Well, you're talking about February 28th, the start of it. So you know, it, goes, it goes from there then. But like, uh, I think the counties have been nicely warmed up with the pre-season competition. So look, it's certainly one to watch out for. But as we see there, like Billy Walsh has been with Wexford for the last few few, few months as well. And you're a manager coming in now, and you know this yourself um, from your own household. If you're a manager coming in, you'll go, you'll look and see what's around you and you'll see what's possible. And you'll, you'll try every... Every, you knock on every door to see who answers and, and who's available. You want the best high-performance team. And certainly Paul Galvin, with a profile and with a playing background, and with a coaching background too. He was in demand from Kerry, I believe, as well, at one stage last year. So it's all very interesting to watch. Definitely. A text in about uh, Pat Spillane, junior joining Sligo. Definitely yeah. um, a big name to be heading up there as well. We saw him in Jude's, obviously, in Championship and he had a really good season and son of... The uh, other Pat's plan as well, mm. so best luck to him as well. And just before we finish up, Damien, there's yeah. going to be some crowds, we hope, at games anyway, very soon. Yeah, a lot bigger so than we've seen for the last while. I think so, Marie. I think it's probably something that we won't have to worry about immediately because with the National League, you're not going to get colossal crowds. But um, I, I think just listening to the Co Park Stadium commercial director, uh, Peter McKenna on Clare Burns show this morning, it's very, very hopeful that the, the large crowds can return uh, pretty soon this season. The indications are positive so far, but it'll be a graduated reproach uh, for all sporting organisations as well. I suppose the, the, the key pressing one there is the IRFU with Six Nations starting, but uh, I think um, Crow Park, I know for a fact they've got a huge programme of events lined up this year. There's probably going to be a, a stark enough financial report coming out in the next couple of weeks, so I'd say they could do with all the crowds being allowed back in. Uh, and again, they'll, they'll await the, 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 the director from Enfys uh, tomorrow evening. Well, I've been at a few of the pre-season games and there's definitely an appetite for them anyway. The crowds have been um, pretty big, pretty, I'd say, close enough Maria, to I, I think the last, I think the last two years, certainly in, in, in Irish sport, has been a huge wake-up call for all of us because, uh, like, I mean, maybe not so much journalists because we're always out and about and we continue to do that, but definitely the thirst from the ground level for more games, for more action, stream games. I mean, I, I know people say, just paying a few bob to stream county finals from other counties that they never would have would have got, come across it all at all. So I think there's a huge appetite there, you know, and uh, 
I, I think maybe we took it for granted a little bit and we took for granted going to games and uh, I'm not so sure we'll do that for a while to come. That's for sure. Damien Lawler, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Green Farm. Being flat to the mass isn't real. Our protein is. Get real. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome back. I'm delighted to say that uh, Lindsay Pete joins me on the line. Lindsay, how are things? Good, Marie. How are you? Good. And I'm prepping for your interview and I'm thinking, how am I going to introduce Lindsay now? There's loads of things that I want to talk to her about. There's so many sports. I don't even know what to start. It's not a it's not a basketball segment. It's not a rugby segment. It's not a football segment. It's a bit of everything, really. Good. Do you happy that's with that? That's what we love talking about, all things sports. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm going to start with you. So, how are you? What's the last few months been like? I was at the uh, game against uh, the USA in the RDS and it was a little bit emotional probably the last time that I'm going, I'm going to see you play anyway, I'd say, Lindsay, and the same for a lot of people. Um, yeah, look, I've got to officially get that out and it's it's hard putting it. Maybe I've missed the window and maybe we won't. we just leave it. But uh, I'd like to, you know, obviously officially announce that and say thank you to a lot of people who have... Um, really made an impact on, on my journey especially the last six years um, it's been certainly after the heartache of the World Cup qualifiers to come back and to come out on my own terms and to you know have two winning uh, Autumn Internationals for not only me personally but the team as a collective after so much heartbreak I think it was it was good it was good and it was a fresh start nearly in the RDS um, and uh, so, yeah, let us hope that we can start on a positive in, in the new year that we left off in the old. Well, Lindsay, I wasn't expecting you to officially announce it, but fair play to you for doing it and also for everything that you've given, not just rugby, but for all of Irish sport. You've been involved in so many different great memories for so many different people. I know you'll probably still play some club and I'll see you popping up here, there and everywhere, but the elite level, what you've given to Irish sport has been phenomenal. Thank you. Well, I hope to still, you know, keep in an elite level in in whatever aspect I can. To be honest, Marie, and that'll be, that'll be the hardest part now is is that transition and making those decisions and not doing anything on a whim. But um, I certainly hope that I've been a driving force as a player um, in trying to propel sport in general, but especially the female side of sport. And I think you know, elite and high performance in Ireland is is on the rise, but. Uh, we need. I need to help accelerate the the female side of things, and I would love to go into coaching. I don't think I'm there yet, but um, I think as a player, having experienced some exceptional coaches, and then some that their heart and their dedication is there, but maybe not up to the standard we need in elite level. You know, I definitely would like to give back in some aspects. So, um, definitely a. a different path on the journey but I certainly am I'm only retiring from international uh, rugby I'm still going to play with um, my club uh, Railway Union so if anyone is around Park Avenue at 5 o'clock this Saturday we'll <laughs> and we'd love the support so um, yeah lots going on lots going on and, and day by day don't get overwhelmed by anything and um, look it's been an, an absolutely fantastic journey um, you know there's a quote by Oscar Wilde that most people exist and, and uh, very few get to live and I certainly through my sporting journey have have lived and uh, I've loved every minute of it Lindsay when you think I, I might be wrong here now but if I'm, I'm correct was your rugby debut against England and you I remember you telling me you were just thrown in and trying to figure it out and look how when you look how far you've came you must even have surprised yourself yeah, I mean, like, you know, who comes in as a replacement to the world-class Claire Malloy in back row in their their um, first game in an Ireland jersey as I'm asking Mary Healy, um, who was the scrum half at the time, who's still playing for Galwegians and Connacht. And, and um, you know, I'm asking her what to do and where to go. And little did we know I'd get to, to um, experience... Uh, that ordered, that journey in an Ireland jersey 37 more times on top of that so yeah the stoop against England I think the score was 8-3 uh, in a very wet um, wet November evening but it was a baptism of fire but um, 
it was one that I, I like learning. I, like my philosophy as a player, and probably maybe if I did go on to coaching, is you know we have to come out of our comfort zone and we have to fail to learn. And I certainly failed on numerous occasions, but I hope that um, you know it was a journey full of learnings and and one that was accelerated and said in twenty seventeen to get the players player of the year. Uh, that year really was testament to how much work people put in, how much work I put in, and and the turnaround of fortunes to um, not knowing what I was doing to maybe on some level nearly two years later just before the world home world cup um was able to to officially say maybe i was some sort of a rugby player yeah well i'm sure there's plenty of people who played alongside you and, and watched you lindsay over the years that will certainly um feel that you were one of the the greatest that they'd seen out there anyway you know you've you did so much really in that short space of time you achieved so much to go from someone just picking up the sport who'd never played it to representing your country 38 times is that what it was 38 times I would have liked to get to an even 40 but <laughs> look um, it is what it is and and that's the thing really you know I suppose that's the sad part now is you know we're looking at um, really a turn of not a turn of fortunes but like we we're going into now World Cup year which will be the first time down in the Southern Hemisphere uh, please God in New Zealand and everything will be open and, and it'll be fully available for people to come out and really experience that World Cup Um the Six Nations this year is is really of importance to all because now we'll go into the the new World Rugby global calendar. Uh, we need to finish in the top three to to finish in tier one, and that will all be huge investment. I think it's over six point four million that World Rugby have invested in this global calendar going forward, and it'll increase player performance and welfare, and that'll have a knock on effect into the World Cup in twenty twenty five. So, it's so lovely to to look back on the journey, but then you think of of the exciting times that lay ahead for for women's rugby in particular, and and hopefully women's sport. But um. That's where the excitement, sadness and excitement, mixed emotions, I suppose, you know, the excitement of what lies ahead and hopefully maybe on some level at some stage being a part of that. But, um, yeah, just always striving for greatness and, and especially with a, in the context of Irish rugby, that's that's what where you want to see the team go. So what about you then, Lindsay? So f- from a coaching perspective, like what kind of road do you want to follow? Where would you like to go? As I said uh, at the start there, I'd love to, to give back. Um, well, I'm involved in my son's. Uh, I mentor him on a on a Saturday morning now with Olaf's. Um, so that's part of my coaching journey now. Start with the <laughs> basics and remember to have fun. And um, like I have to keep bringing it back that I got into sport for um, just the enjoyment and, and meeting people and, and the smile on his face, uh, the smile I put on my face. And I want that for him, whether he's good at it or anything else. I just want to enjoy the basics of sport and, and the fundamentals and the values that it brings. Um, so that's the start for now. I'll continue to do that and and learn from, from the kids and then certainly try to upskill myself um, in maybe trying to get in maybe with the likes of um, John Fogarty or, or Richie Murphy or um, Tanya Rosser and, and maybe mirror them for a couple of weeks and, and see how we go and pick up some bits and, and do the coaching courses and... And see, am I a fit? You know, I think, you know, again, my philosophy with coaches is that, you know, if you look at Jurgen Klopp, and I mean, you were big Liverpool sports, um, right? So <laughs> a coach's job sometimes with skillful players and, and elite players and professionals is to facilitate um, their personality and what makes them tick. And it's not solely skill based, it's the emotional intelligence to bring out the best in that players. And sometimes, um, you know, players fit clubs and managers and they bring out the best in each other. So. Um, lots to find out about myself it's, it's the same journey I suppose as we start as players you know to find out what, what your strengths what your weaknesses what you can work on come out of your comfort zone never be afraid to fail or learn or say you're wrong um, never be afraid to ask for help so I suppose that's, I'm starting from the bottom here um, so yeah I'll continue with the kids but my goal would be to be back into elite and high performance at some point down the line but that could, that could be a decade away who knows who knows well at the rate you accomplish things Lindsay it could probably end up in a little bit quicker than that but Lindsay sport has been such a big part of your life and I know it's not over yet but you have just spent every single waking minute nearly of the last 20 maybe 30 years at this stage just constantly striving and achieving and playing and just being a sports person the fact that that will soon enough be behind you do you think you're prepared for that you know we Jamie Lawler we just had on um, wrote a book about the difficulties of player that players in, um, encounter when they do end up retiring from the game how do you think you're going to find it all 
Um, well, he included me in that book, so <laughs> it was it was lovely to be part of the, the amazing athletes who who gave their story and. Um, look, I suppose you kind of, yeah, I need to find out who, who Lindsay the person is and I have to remember that there's loads of values and, and learnings and um, I suppose values, for example, hopefully leadership or resilience, you know, all these kind of buzzwords that we bring, I have to now test them in the real world. So that's, you know, looking at now maybe focusing on my career, focusing on being a better parent, uh, partner sister all the things i've kind of missed out on because sport has been my focus um i think it'll always be a part of my life it, it, it is it's part of my dna uh but now i kind of need to move the margins a bit and and um focus on different areas of life but i think the same mantra if i do go into coaching or or i have to look at that the, the mantra i would have been uh, had as an athlete so i can now bring it into my into my personal life and maybe my life as a coach um and remember that sometimes, you know, if we don't come out of our comfort zone, I think it was a John Wooden, you know, if you don't, if you don't try the things you think you can't do, you'll never succeed in the things you can, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's about reminding myself that I achieved an awful lot and, and I was scared and I didn't question it or I just went along with it and I have to try and do that now. But it's, yeah, it's going to be a new journey of discovery, to be honest, because I think I know very well who I am and routine and, how I ticked and, and what brought out the best of me as an athlete. But now I have to, to do that. Maybe as I said, Lindsay, the person um, and find out a little bit more about myself. But as I said, it's um, the biggest thing is not to get overwhelmed. I can't get bogged down with what lies ahead of me. I have to take day by day, uh, write a list, make some goals, which I have. And that's kind of keeping me grounded and keeping me calm. Um, and I keep referring to them. And there are days where I, I think, what am I doing? Like I'm, I'm 41, meant to be an adult, and sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm drowning and I don't know where I'm going. And I know that's the same for everybody. So it's just learning and having the tools to just, yeah, stay calm, keep a smile on your face and, and take it day by day. So, so far, so good. But um, if you ask me next week, I could have a different different answer for you. But uh, so far, I'm, I'm not prepared, but I have ideas and I have goals and I have something those goals are going to hopefully bring me along on, a, on the journey I need to go to to find out who I am and, and where I want to go next. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to following that journey, Lindsay. But when I look back on your journey, and it really strikes me that when you were starting out and, you know, getting involved at the, you know, with Dublin and then going on to go down the rugby route, it kind of coincided with the change of the landscape for women's sport as well and you were very much central to a lot of that change and you probably have a better experience than most people about how the, the coverage of women's sport evolved and women's sport in general evolved and just the interest and all the rest. When you look back at it, what was it like to be part of that, Lindsay? Um... I look back on it with, with fondness because I, I see now, like, you know, I see the girls in, in the AFL, for example, look how many female players have we got over there who are uh, like Sarah Rowe, um, Ailish Constantine, uh, Sinead Goldrick, um, obviously Neve McAvoy was there. Um, Cora. Lauren McGee. Uh, <laughs> huh? Cora and Breed. Yeah, Cora, Breed, Jack. <laughs> uh, congratulations to her after so long. So, I mean, the list is endless and... Um, you know, you know, Stacky's over there with, you know, Tell on Ireland's and she's starting a different career. And I think even for her as a mommy and, and her injury last year, which I've been there with neck injuries and my God, it's scary. And for her, there's the resilience to come back and know and bring her family back over to, to face the challenge again after the biggest upset. I watched them with just, you know, just emotional pride to see where, how far we've come and how quickly. And I know this is only the tip of the iceberg, really. Do you know, it's we've still so far to go. Um, but to see the transition and, and the growth of it, um, it really does genuinely really give me goosebumps. It gives me excitement. Um, like I'm like a little kid buzzing. Um, you know, even the cup finals this weekend after the basketball missing out last year. Um, I know we're only at 50% capacity, but even to have them back, like one of my most exciting times of the year always used to be January. Uh, obviously, when I went to rugby, I was preparing for the Six Nations. But over Christmas, uh, when when we were, when I was in the basketball uh, zone, it was it was building up to the cup and the pinnacle for whether you're a fan or whether you're involved was the cup. And you know, I remember saying to Mark Ingle, like, "Oh, 
you know someone rang me from from a paper and I was like I can't talk to him you know and and I think I've said this story to you before it's like if you do not take the opportunity to speak about your sport or your club or just being a, a you know a female basketballer you know there's very little opportunities if you don't take it you, you don't get to showcase exactly what you are involved in and, and what you believe in and what you love to do uh, and you want to put it up on that pedestal so um yeah and even again the international being back up and, and being in qualifiers to go back into FIBA's elite European tournament to see that after 10 years I mean the last time I was playing uh, back in 2009 and, and, and 2010 and that's how how long basketball has been on competition so just to see it um, just getting the coverage the media uh, to see you know I hate you know putting gender to it but to see female athletes being on the pedestal and being treated like the athletes they deserve to be is um it's just brilliant and it and it does it makes me very very emotional and as i said if i played some small part in that and getting the ball rolling and setting the foundations um that's one of my greatest achievements then as an athlete well, one thing you always did and i always give you credit for this is lindsay you spoke out like when no matter what was asked of you, you always answered, you always gave your opinion, you were very true to your convictions and, um, you know, when you when, when something needed to be said, you were one of the people that would would stand up and, and almost sacrifice themselves in ways and, um, you know, put the, the player's voice out there and, and you definitely made a difference on many fronts and I'm sure there's lots of your teammates, particularly in the um, Ireland women's rugby team who will probably look into you uh, as well from that perspective and I'm very thankful that you were part of the journey that they were on and the one that they're still going to be going on in the future. And just on that women's rugby, I know that Jack Chambers said today that they're... Um, that the next step is the players meeting directly with their IRFU and that a group representing players met with Sport Ireland again this week and Sport Ireland is currently working with players and IRFU to address the issues. Are you confident that the women's game is moving in the right direction, Lindsay, and that we're going to get to a stage where um, they're being treated the way that they should be? I think if we've the right people in in the room who are um, have the same focus and same drive and same goal, then I think anything can be achieved, Marie. And that's the thing about leaders. Um, leaders sacrifice themselves for the greater good of whether it be a team or a program. Um, and I think, like I said, there's so much coming on in the overall um, game of women's rugby because on a participation level you know in other countries it's been identified um as the area of, of growth you know um on participation level and the men's unfortunately has plateaued and in some countries has actually dipped whereas the area growth and investment has been identified as the women's participation game so there's a bright future ahead for for the overall game of women's rugby across the world and i think you know we need to we need to be part of that because i think we're we're a country that is steeped in history um, as regards Irish rugby and uh, winning trophies and, you know, wanting to achieve in World Cups. And, and we want that for every Irish team um, that participates in every competition across the world. And, and we're no different than women. So I'm very, very positive that, as I said, the right people um, having the right conversations, representing all parties uh, with the common goal, we can, we can achieve so much um, positive going forward for women's rugby um, so yeah OK, well, there's definitely plenty to go on, on on that over the next while and we'll be keeping an eye on it. Lindsay, we're going to switch back to basketball now because I did say at the very start I have you on to, to preview the uh, Cup Finals. I'm going to start with the Paddy O'Connor Cup Final, the address UCC Glanmar versus DCU Mercy, someone that team that you're very familiar with. Um, what are you expecting from this game, Lindsay? Well, look, we'll start and we'll mention the elephant in the room. Glamour <laughs> are far superior in winning cups over DCU. Um, I mean, they would have went on a run from 14 to 17, winning four in a row. And prior to that, prior to our double win in 2010-11, uh, they would have won the previous three. So uh, they're well ahead with seven cup wins to our three. Um, but we were the last to win it in 17-18. Uh, Glamour haven't won it. Uh, to the year previous to that so but um, I can't lie looking at both squads I think um, Glamour have to be favourites going in um, they they met each other in the league before Christmas Glamour did take the spoils only by three points but Claire Amelia had 33 points I think she's won three player of the year a uh, player of the month awards um, she's certainly a key player and looking 
I think Glenmire across their squad have more scoring potential uh, than DCU. We're very reliant on our two Americans. Um, so I think right now it's going to be tipping. And my heart breaks now saying this, but I think um, probably Glenmire going in as favourites into this cup final. Okay, and what about in the men's game? Pat Duffy's Men National Cup, CNS, Neptune versus Garvey's Truly Warriors. We played a clip of Kieran Donahue at the top of the show. You're vintage as well, Lindsay, and he's still going strong. He is going strong. And actually, uh, I obviously, he, he had a heartbreaking loss with Austin Staxter last weekend. I think I, I read something that, you know, he was pretty disappointed with his own um, performance and known... What I do know of Kieran Donnelly, though, or Donnelly, though I don't know him personally, I know the competitor he is and the experience he has across um, his own sporting career. So I think he will be a dangerous man coming into this weekend, just his experience and the influence he has. Um, the same thing, actually, these are these are two teams are probably evenly matched. Uh, both clubs haven't won the Cup in a long, long time. Neptune won it last in the 2013 season. And I think um, it was even before that that... Um, that the uh, Tralee Tigers won it in 06 or 07. So they're, they're not too flush with cups themselves. Uh, they met each other in the league this year. Tralee won it by 10, but they were at home. And again, they rely on their two uh, professionals. Um, Aaron Kalakstay, I think I have that pronounced right, uh, averages 24 points again. And Nicola Rosso, who's a Croatian six foot eight forward, who will probably have a big impact in that game, has normally around 15. Part of the coaching team for Tralee would be the, the famous Jimmy Diggins. So, um, to be honest, I'm going to probably tip Tralee for this. There's always upsets at the cup, and, and though Neptune are uh, one of the historic teams of Irish basketball, Colin O'Reilly is their player coach. Um, they probably have a little bit more scoring threat, but um, I just have, in my ghost feeling, is telling me um, it's it's Tralee's time. Okay, to, well, to win this so I'm going to probably tip them to win on uh, Saturday it sounds like there'll be two good games and as we always say Lindsay form go, goes out the window in the cup final so who knows what can happen but Lindsay I just Absolutely. want to say always <laughs> in the cup. Yeah. congratulations on a fantastic career um, for Ireland and for all in, for Ireland rugby but for all your other sports as well you're an absolute warrior on the pitch and off it as well and it was a real pleasure to have followed you for such a long time and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you as well Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Marie, personally, for all the support you've given me over the years. Um, you've certainly been immense um, in everything that you've followed, uh, both me personally and, and women's sports. So oh, thank, thank you for you, all the coverage <laughs> and all the support. Well, we're embarrassing each other now, so we're going to take a break. <laughs> With Green Farm. Being up to 90 isn't real. The protein in our range is Get Real. Game on on 2FM. Uh, welcome back. I'm Marie Crow and I am joined in studio by Shane Dawson and David Snaid. Shane, we've just had the pleasure of listening to Lindsay Peat announce her retirement from international rugby and telling us a little bit about the journey that she's been on. And when I think of Lindsay, I think we're never going to have anyone like her again. Somebody that has represented Ireland in basketball, in soccer, has won All-Ireland with Dublin, played rugby for Ireland. It's phenomenal what she's achieved. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember actually watching her for, for the Dubs uh, a while back as well and just kind of seeing her take part in so many different sports. It's great to see. And she's so well-spoken and so emotive. I know at the start of the show, David was kind of mentioned Matt Doherty and about being honest and, and that's what we <laughs> want to see in the media and fans. But that's exactly what Lindsay Pete is. She's she's genuine. And, and, you know, that's exactly, that's all you want. And you can see she's speaking from the heart and she's been such a great servant um, to sport in Ireland across so many codes. And, yeah, hopefully in, in the years to come we'll see, see more people that are that committed to, to so many sports because it's it takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of dedication um, and hopefully now she can she can stick the feet up and, and enjoy the, the retirement. And, and just when you're talking about that, it's just even from a positive um, point of view, the fact that we won't see anyone like her again probably is because women's sports is professionalised a lot now even mm. like when you think about it with someone of her talent she would have probably went over to the women's Super League you know she'd been born, born a bit later in life she'd probably have a professional uh, rugby contract in England or in France she would have been down in the AFL she'd be 
she would have been professional if she um, if she had been born if she was a little bit younger but just the way that it worked out she was doing all these things as an amateur That's it and she spoke there didn't she about kind of those life experiences and like the Oscar Wilde co about kind of living life or just surviving or whatever and like the fact that she was able to have those almost different chapters in her life that she can draw on and like, you think about it if you're a part of a team no matter what level it is the connections that you get and the emotion that you feel for it and when you're involved in that it's it stays with you for, for no matter for, for a lifetime really like you know what I mean like you, there's probably people I can remember growing up and this is obviously much 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 lower level but lads away would have known playing football when I was like six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age who still see them then and you go oh, I remember that match I remember that like, and, <laughs> like, she had all these different moments but more so even when she was talking there about the emotion that she was feeling about seeing the, the progress some of the progress has to be made and obviously still so much that has to be done but that's why a lot of people would have so much respect for her, but also have a love for her in the sense of having that connection where that's what you want. Like, you want to feel as if when you're watching someone do something on a pitch, how else can you have that connection? Because you might not have it because you're probably doing something that you'd never be able to actually do in a million years because you haven't got the talent to do it. So then how else can you actually feel something for them? And it's because they really have that same love for it and that passion for it that you have. And that's obviously came through there when how she was speaking. Yeah, she's an absolute superstar. I'm looking forward to following her coaching career as well. I'd say she'll be top class at it like she is at everything that she tries. One of these uh, people who is good at everything. You'd hate um, her choosing your class. really where you're like, oh, There she is again. Um, right, so let's turn our attention to uh, football here at home. A little bit of transfer news, uh, David. D- Dawson Devoy looks like he could be on the way out of both. Yeah, this would be a sickener for both because they've already lost Ross Tierney, they've lost a handful of players like, like again, like Keith Oakley, captain, he's left. Uh, Keith Ward's gone to Dundalk. A few others have left, a few people have come in, but Dawson Devoy, I suppose, would be seen as a bit of a crowd on the jewel there. Like he's only 20 years old, came through obviously with St. Kevin's, and it looks as if maybe a deal is going to be worked out with MK Dons in League One. They're pushing for the playoffs as well to get into the championship. Seems to be. Like they've just brought in Connor Coventry as well MK Dons Northern 21 International on loan from West Ham like Matt O'Reilly who plays centre midfield for MK interesting one him he could be going to Celtic he's a London born player but obviously you think on his mother's side he qualifies for playing for uh, Norway as well and, and Denmark and Denmark want to try and bring him in so he's could be on his way out of the club and if you're kind of looking at it you're thinking well is he going to be coming straight in to play or just one for the future because I was chatting to people at the start of this season there was Premier League clubs looking at, at Dawson Devoy in the sense of coming in and being involved with a 23 set up that's kind of like the calibre of a player who people see in him and like he is he's a young player of the year at the moment within the League of Ireland and I'd say Keith Long he's quite used to but I'd say he's tearing his head out if when pre-season starting he's going to look looks as if he's going to lose one of his his main men is going to be a linchpin in that midfield the only saving grace for it would be looks as if he's going to get a transfer fee he'd be one of the lowest six figures so yeah I think just following up on what David's saying I think it's on Twitter earlier that for Keith Long and, and Trevor Colley now trying to rebuild that both have lost their club captain their vice captain their player of the year their young player of the year the starting centre mid pairing a number 10 a centre forward Top score. and a first choice centre half yeah. I mean I know we always <laughs> talk about Keith Long and, and the magic that you can pull and, and there's only so many times you can go to the well I know. and this is it with him Like I remember like it's every League of Ireland club has to deal with this to a degree but with balls essentially it seems like the bit of a model that they do have and like people talk about the lack of success maybe they've had in terms of trophies I know they got to the cup final but the work that he has done, I remember doing a piece and with, with him talking about how he does his recruitment and the work forward planning that he would have to do, and it's just incredible. Like the, the foresight, kind of realizing early on, right? Well, this fella does well; he's probably going to go net at that point. So who else is looking around the loan market? Players coming, possibly coming in, and like next season, like there's only. Say before. next season, but Shane, it's actually coming around really quickly. We That's got it. the notification today now that the President's Cup is going to take place on Friday, uh, the 11th of February, between uh, Bowes and or between Shamrock Rovers and um, St Pat's in Tallaght Stadium. And once that kicks off, we're 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 on like. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think it's you know we're, we're talking about transfer news as well that clubs are still trying to fit in that bit of business even today. Um, you see Pat signing Adam O'Reilly for he had a great season with Waterford last last year um, on loan, and they've the Liverpoolian centre half Tim. Uh, 
Gavosti, I think yeah. is the, the correct pronunciation from uh, sign from Ross County, and Shelburne as well. Yo-Yo Maddy uh, has gone up to Finn Harps, which is a bit of a surprise because he was signed on for the season. Um, so that's a kind of a, a bit out of the blue there. So it'll be interesting to see what the kind of the, the situation is there. He's gone up to join Ollie Horgan and, and Finn Harps. So Shells will be in the market now for another striker as well, especially with Michael O'Connor leaving uh, to going up north as well. So yeah, it's it's only right around the corner, and it's you know it's so much to look forward to. You know you know me, Marie, I'm a, and I, like likewise David here, big big fans of the League of Ireland. So um, yeah, really looking forward to it. It's going to be tough enough for Shamrock Rovers now. Their first game, no crowd because of that um, incident down in Waterford with the fireworks. A lot of divided opinion on whether they should be penalised so harshly not having fans at their first game. David? It's a tough one. You do feel a lot of sympathy for them because it's the first game of the season. They're being punished for something that didn't happen at their stadium. And also it was was one supporter who the club swiftly acted upon and banned so it wasn't as if they've dug their head in the sand here a little bit there'd probably be people wondering what actually happened it was literally last November playing Waterford away and a fan got on the pitch let off fireworks on the pitch one Waterford player did actually get hit by kind of some of the debris of it so it was a really serious incident I think they are possibly trying to appeal it and see what's going to happen but because I was speaking to some of the club today they're not really confident that that will materialise in the sense of it'll be overturned because obviously it's an independent, this is the thing as well, it is an independent say, committee who kind of assess this. And there's probably the sense, and like Shane was saying there, like there's a bit of a, there is a culture in the League of Ireland, obviously, of Pyro and all the rest of it is part of it. Is part of going is part of going to games, and there maybe is that sense that no well, pyro, no party. Yeah, I know, but but then there is that, I know, and that's listen, that's great, and it's a great hashtag on Twitter and all the rest of it. And don't get me wrong, like you see the cup final and like some of the scenes the FAI have used in some of the promotional material as well when they get all about building that atmosphere and what it's like going but I think for because of the nature of what happened in terms of even pitch encroachment and all the rest of it that there's that added element and there does seem to be a sense maybe of actually trying to cut this out to a degree where they feel as if that can actually happen do you know what I mean like even go to the cup final like and it's mad to see it it'd be rare to see it maybe in, in other leagues where there can be delays in play maybe when like fireworks are getting taken off the pitch like there's parts of the Aviva Stadium that are literally burnt because flares have been thrown on and at heart for all can be supporters of, of, of the football and it is, it is great but then there is, a, there is a safety issue to it and if it's something that the FAI and maybe this independent panel are serious about in terms of actually coming out this is a serious market to lay down because unlike other leagues bigger leagues gate receipts are so so important to clubs and if yep. if this could be another like and it sounds it's it's not it's bad to say because this is going to hit over severely it could be upwards of around fifty grand that it could cost them in terms of gate receipts income on match night and all the rest of it and you can say oh well you know it's Shamrock Rovers they've won the league they have decent back in there but it's not really the issue there it's well like for it's me it's, it's the fans as well the fans that want to go just before we finish up very quickly team news Shane do we have any I think Keller might be starting in goals for Liverpool from what I I'm reading. Am I, throwing, am, I, am I throwing you under the bus here now? No, absolutely not. You, Marie, you come to me with a goalkeeper question, I'll always be able to answer it. Yeah, Save fans over here. Save fans. <laughs> Queeven Keller does start for Liverpool. Uh, so great news from uh, an Irish point of view there. It's an extremely strong Liverpool team. Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk plays. Um, Jota and Firmino, I suppose the only unfamiliar name, Gordon, is uh, given a start for, for Liverpool there. For Arsenal, Thomas Partey is back from the African Cup of Nations. He's on the bench. Um, three players who were doubtful to play. Tomiyasu, Udegaard and Smith-Rowe all returning start uh, Cedric, Le- Cedric Leno and Chambers all miss out through injury OK that kicks off at quarter to eight thank you guys for coming in we'll be back tomorrow Tara Kumar is up next Game on on 2FM with Green Farm your rise and grind isn't real our protein is get real Two.